देखिए Ticket, you're a homeboy under that hair. Dead gum television. Mr. Jaffa, I uh, I can only say that I find your statement to be boorish. You're listening to What Else But WCBN FM in Ann Arbor. 88.3. Mamón, hijo puta, cabrón. We, the American people, are enormously wealthy. You know that? Who owns all of those trees in the national forest? This is not a rhetorical question. We do. Who owns all of that offshore oil you read about in the newspaper, huh? We do. Who owns all of those minerals under the federal lands? That's, we do. It's public property, you know. But we elect people to go to Washington. What have we gotten ourselves into now? They go to Washington, they lease off what we own, public property, to private companies to sell us back our own stuff for the sake of a greasy buck. That's dumb. Do you have an opinion? When is the last time you voiced it to your government? Government websites provide a ton of information on activities, proposed bills, voting records, and contact information. You can visit your Michigan senators at www.senate.gov. Visit your district representatives at www.house.gov. Visit the president and the cabinet at www.whitehouse.gov. Internet access is free at the Ann Arbor Public Library. You can find out what your government has been doing for you. The websites provide methods to send email, faxes, or letters to your representatives, and they do respond. Don't forget that your government works for you. You have the right and responsibility to stay informed and to express your concerns.
You are listening to Living Writers here on WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. My name is Molly. I'm here with my co-host, Sarah, and today we are talking to Alex McCauley, author of the new book, Lost Summer, and also the book, Bad Girls. How are you doing today? Oh, really good. I'm really excited to be uh, on the air. I love the, the show and the website, so, uh, so I'm doing well. How about you? Pretty good. Um, why did you decide to write a young adult novel? Well, it all it started with my first book, Bad Girls, uh, which came out last summer. Uh, for for several years, my wife and I had had this ongoing debate about the book Lord of the Flies, uh, which I had read in high school, and I loved Lord of the Flies. Uh, you know, when I back when I read it, uh, and my wife had actually she had been assigned it, I think, but you know, she hadn't read it because she hated it and said she thought it was like. Uh, a boring boys book uh, kind of thing and I was defending it and saying you know I thought it was great uh, and she said there isn't a single female character so at that age you know it was hard for her to get into so then we started talking and I said you know it would be cool if one day someone wrote a book that was like a female Lord of the Flies where it's a bunch of girls who get stranded on an island and you know how would that be different uh, and so then for, for a year or so, every now and then we'd, we'd come back to that idea and say, yeah, it would be cool if someone wrote that book, you know, or, or you know, and I wonder, you know, if anyone's going to do it. And at a certain point, I just realized, I was like, huh, maybe I could try writing it myself uh, and, uh, you know, and then see what happens. I wasn't sure if I could pull it off at all. Uh, but so then I just started writing, and it, and I think after maybe three or four months, I had a version done and i gave it to lisa who's who's my wife and uh and she read it and and helped me in terms of getting you know things she thought didn't work she fixed and she was like you know helping me get the psychology right of these characters so bad girls is kind of like my take on lord of the flies these girls who are sent to a, a reform camp on an island have to sort of fight and struggle and and figure out how to survive so and then then i ended up you know, a friend of mine had a, a literary agent, and, and he passed some of the book along, and uh, the MTV books ended up taking it. And then somewhere along the way, I got the idea for this second book, Lost Summer, uh, which is also in the in the YA, I guess, genre or ilk or whatever. Uh, and then uh, then I wrote that. So it was really just a, a sort of random series of events that led to <laughs> that led to my current occupation. Um, how, why is it that you write, I mean, I guess you've only written two books, but um, why write with a female protagonist? I mean, it makes sense with the Lord of the Flies idea, but how did you get into that mindset? And yeah, what attracted you, know, you to I, writing I that? like it a lot because of, like, the challenge aspect of it for me, you know, it's something that, that's fascinating. Like, you know, with, with Bad Girls, I really, I really didn't know if I could pull it off, and I thought there was a good chance I would completely fall on my face, you know, trying to do this because... It was sort of, you know, one of those weird things. Uh, but when that worked out with the second book, what happened is we had, uh, Lisa and I took a trip to the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Uh, and we were there, when we were there, we noticed, like, a, I think it was July 4th weekend, and we noticed a group of teenagers. And, like, we noticed these, I noticed this, like, one girl sitting there who looked really sort of disgruntled to, <laughs> to be uh, on the island at that particular moment. And Lisa and I were talking about her, and I was like, yeah, you know, I wonder what her life is like. You know, what could her backstory be? 
et cetera, et cetera. And then it just grew from, it just grew from there in a kind of organic way where uh, I was just trying to imagine to sort of get inside the head of this, this random person who I saw for an instant uh, and sort of imagine what their life would be like and, and where they came from and what was going to happen to them. And I'm not sure why it ended up being another uh, female protagonist. I think it's kind of a fun challenge to see, you know, if I can, uh, if I can pull that off. And, uh, and I have my wife to help, too. You know, I run things by her, and if something sounds phony or, or not right, she'll, she'll tell me. I mean, she's a great, <laughs> a great editor of, of all my stuff. So. But oh. I guess there's, no, there's really no, 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 like, sort of easy answer for that. And I, I wonder, you know, I haven't really started work on my third book yet, but I know it's going to sort of follow a mixed group of, like, these five uh, kids who get stuck in a snowstorm. So, uh, so I guess for the next one, it's going to be more of a more of a mix. But so, anyway, I'm kind of, I'm kind of babbling. <laughs> <laughs> That's your job. That's why we're interviewing you. Oh, cool. Um, not so we can babble, which happens sometimes, unfortunately. <laughs> um, I guess your next book is going to be like this too. What attracts you to the thriller genre rather than just a simple coming of age story? It's coming of age with, you know, waves and hurricanes and break yeah, threats. Yeah, I, I and think you know, in a in a weird way, I think that. The two things match up well, you know, the sort of the process of growing up and then these kind of like uh, uh, cataclysmic natural events uh, can, are sort of linked in a strange way, I guess, for me. So first of all, I just love thrillers in general. Like, I mean, I read a bunch of thrillers. I think the first books I ever read when I was really, you know, got into reading fiction were probably like Stephen King and that kind of stuff. So... Uh, so and you know so I'm really drawn to that kind of thing. I love uh, horror movies and, and thrillers uh, and stuff like that. So I think uh, in a way it just sort of matched up in my mind somehow that you know these like sort of like thriller thrillers and, and horror stories could be could be linked or or made to heighten the process of uh, growing up. So I think in in both Bad Girls and Lost Summer the protagonist goes through some some changes and learn some things through the course of the book. And in some ways, the uh, sort of natural phenomena that surround them amplify that. So in, in Bad Girls, they're stuck on this island without food and supplies trying to survive. And then Lost Summer, the, the main character, Caitlin, uh, is in the Outer Banks of North Carolina, and she's uh, there are people after her, and it's a very isolated region, and she has to try to both uh, fit in at first and then soon it turns into a struggle to, to make it out of there. So I guess that would be <laughs> that would be the long answer to a short question. <laughs> um, the, the characters that you focus on in your books, unlike many in YA, they don't like start out as good girls or um, there isn't really like a you know uh, loss of innocence really. They're rather strong strong girl strong young girls who um i don't know get put in these interesting situations where like how i guess what i'm trying to ask without talking for an hour <laughs> is how you um you know go about creating your protagonists and uh and what draws you what, to that sort of protagonist yeah. rather than a girl who kind of comes into everything innocent yeah i guess you know i guess in, in a large part it's based probably on my own life and, and from what I remember from uh, high school and, uh, and growing up. And I guess maybe it, was, <laughs> maybe it was the kinds of people I hung out with or, 
for myself, but, you know, in some ways the characters sort of, like, I'm sometimes thinking back to, you know, people I knew in high school or or things that happened uh, or that I went through. And and from what I remember, you know, it's such an intense time period, and and most of some of the people I knew were, were grappling with, you know, these issues of, like, you know, dealing with their parents and, and potentially having a, like, in Lost Summer, Caitlin's mom has a, a pill addiction. Uh, and, I mean, I, I knew several people growing up whose parents were, like, horrific alcoholics or, you know, in some ways the parents would sometimes be more screwed up than the kids, you know, and that was something I wanted to convey. And in terms of the, the strength of the characters, I think, again, I'm, I'm when I just think back to, to the people that I knew in high school, it seemed like there were a lot of strong personalities, and and uh, I guess that's I guess that's always been the type of, of person I've been drawn to in real life. So I think it maybe that plays out in the in the fiction. You know, that's the character that I guess I find something intrinsically more interesting about that. Maybe because so much fiction, you know, deals with starts or young adult fiction uh, starts off with the kind of innocent. Uh, then in some ways it's more fun or, or more challenging to start off with someone who has a lot of problems and is screwed up and, and see how they make it through and, and survive and, and possibly flourish. You know, I think at the end of both books the protagonists have have uh, become better, you know, people so to speak from from going through these trials and uh, and all the bad things that happen. I think in some ways maybe change their mindset about about the world, but in a positive way. You know, they see these bad things and. And it makes them realize that, that they don't want to be involved with them. Do you think about having a message like that when you started writing or in the course of the writing the books? Or was it just, you know, something that came out organically from the story? Yeah, to, to be honest, that's, I, that's a great question. Uh, to be honest, it's something that sort of comes out organically. You know, for me, I always start with wanting to just tell what I think will be a, a really great story. And, uh, but then, you know, by the time I finish the book, I can generally look back on it and see what kinds of issues were, were coming, you know, can come to the forefront or are buried in there somewhere. So, uh, so I guess, you know, I guess for bad girls, uh, I was thinking, and because of the Lord of the Flies thing, the only sort of like idea I had in my mind was how would it be different if it were girls on an island versus boys? Because in Lord of the Flies, it, it, fairly rapidly, you know, starts to de- 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 uh, degenerate and fall apart. So um, so I guess with Bad Girls, I had that idea. With Lost Summer, it was more just about investigating uh, this girl's life and her past and just wanting to write what I thought would be a, a good thriller. Uh, and uh, But then when I finish the book, I can look back on it and say, you know, yeah, this reflects some of the some of the things that I remember from growing up, like the thing with the the parents being on you know more drugs than the kids uh and that sort of stuff and and some of the other things too one of the Caitlin's mom is a uh she's a single mom and she ends up in the course of the book getting together with a fairly unsavory creepy guy who seems to have or definitely has an interest in Caitlin uh and that's another thing I remember growing up from uh people you know they would it would be really traumatic. Uh, for some of my friends who had single parents who would begin, you know, dating, and then, uh, you know, sometimes bad things could happen from that. So that was something else that I think is interesting to to explore. But yeah, I never really start with a big, uh, you know, thesis. It's more it's more just like I write, and then then hopefully something worthwhile comes out of it. It seems like the adults, as you said, are pretty much absent or not really functioning on their own. And also, there's a lot of 
scary adult men? Is it just that sort of experience of taken to an extreme that you're talking about your friends having in high school that yeah, um, prompted that or? Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, I think you know, and it's something. I guess it's something I feel that's maybe underrepresented sometimes too. And that you know, there's a lot of stuff in the young adult books and just in the media. And I mean, as you as you both hear all the time, you know, growing up like don't do drugs. Drugs are bad. And and you know, the kids are doing drugs. I felt like at one point on TV, you know, it was always saying kids are on drugs and drinking and et cetera, et cetera. And it's just always fascinating to think, you know, well, what about the parents? How is this How is this happening? You know, how is it allowed to happen that uh, kids would get so far gone into these problems? And I just thought it would be fun to kind of explore that issue of, of the crazy parents. And I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm not sure what it says about my own life and my own parents. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, pr- probably some of my relationship with them seeps into the fiction as well. But I think I just think, you know, I think – adolescence and the teen years is such a fun thing to write about because you know things seem so sort of vivid and and intense during that period of time and uh it's just one of those i guess it's just one of those life periods that that interests me uh but uh but yeah in bad girls it's not just i mean it's not just the lord of the flies experience but there's also as a lead into that situation the sort of teen reform boot camp did you do any research on those or talk to anyone that had been in one or just kind of make it up as you went along yeah i, I, I actually MTV did uh, do research on that <laughs> watched a lot of sally jesse <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right i watched uh, uh, Monta williams and uh, whoever else is on and you know the funny thing is i did i during the course of writing the book a couple of times i actually did stumble upon things on tv that were you know dealing with that you know like there's the my troubled teen is driving me crazy would be the premise of like a talk show and and but for the most part you know i went online and i actually i read there are lots of lots of kids who've been through this experience well you know talk about it online in different forums and uh, also, just a lot of articles and things about the programs, and then the websites that some of these wilderness programs have are pretty funny unintentionally. You know, they have a, these websites online trying to entice the parents to send their kids there. And it pretty quickly started to seem like just a way that parents had of sort of dumping troubled kids for a while. I mean, some of these programs you could send your kid there for, you know, basically as long as you wanted. So, uh, and, you know, I mean, there are definitely stories online of kids who had been away for like a year or something, you know. And, and indeed, in, in, you know, in Bad Girls, the reform school is set on uh, Andros Island, which is uh, one of the islands in the Bahamas. And indeed, a lot of the reform schools were set in, in other countries because the laws are different. <laughs> so the, the poor kids, you know, and I'm sure some of these kids, have, you know, are certainly acting out and have problems. But, I mean, I couldn't imagine being like 15 and getting shipped off to uh, a foreign country, uh, you know, where I didn't speak the language to, to stay in some kind of boot reform school boot camp for a year. But yet, as crazy as that sounds, that stuff happens. So, uh, and it was kind of frightening, actually. I mean, it sort of scared me. I was like, God, what an awful thing. You know, you would think there would be something that could be done uh like you know that would help the kids and the parents uh rather than just sending the kid away for an indefinite period of time but i did do research on that because i didn't i didn't want to get those details wrong or 
uh, make them, you know, too exaggerated or not harsh enough. So, so hopefully, you know, I struck the right balance there. Uh, and I have actually got a couple emails from uh, from girls who were who you know said that they had been sent to reform school, you know, <laughs> and uh, and that indeed it was a miserable experience that that is well reflected in the book. Um, did you? find anything in your research that suggested it had helped anyone because it seems like in two of your books you have these girls go through these terrible things that are meant actually to be i mean everything starts out with the vacation and with being sent to the boot camp as sort of an intervention to get them straight but it takes an even greater amount of stress to really get them to think about their life and what they want to do yes i i think you know that's a good way i think to to look at it and for me i mean online there is certainly and from what I read, uh, you know, there are certainly cases where boot camps had helped. And certainly there are some programs that seem to be legitimate and, you know, that, uh, that seem to, to be invested more in, like, you know, the psychological aspect of things versus just sort of basically trying to, to torture the kids, you know, into reforming. Uh, but, yeah, I think in, in Bad Girls and Lost Summer, in an ironic way, I think both of the, you know, both girls are sent uh, away, you know, by uh, or taken away by by uh, their parents to some place that's supposedly going to help them. And in the end, they do get help, but but not by the mechanisms that were supposed to help them. I always, I look at it more like you know when things go wrong. So like in Bad Girls, when the girl Anna is sent to the wilderness reform school, things go wrong almost immediately. Uh, and uh, but she ends up coming out of the experience better, and I, I feel more like you know she and Caitlin in Lost Summer find some reservoir of like inner strength uh, to make it through rather than get the fight beaten out of them, which is I think what many of the reform schools try to do. You know, they just basically just a system of you know uh, punishment uh, and rewards to try to train the, the kids to. To behave, uh, so you know, Anna does seem more mature at the end of Bad Girls, but I think that's more a testament to, uh, you know, her own self and what was inside her. And in Lost Summer, Caitlin's drug-addicted mom has this misguided notion, you know, that she's going to take Caitlin to the Outer Banks, this rural area, and get her out of California. Uh, but Caitlin's mom is really going there to try to, to hook up with this with this guy. Uh, and Caitlin is sort of left uh, on her own, you know, to try to figure things out and survive and uh, and make her way in the world. And, and if she seems also sort of to to be to have things more together at the end of the book, I think that's a that's a testament to her. I always like it when the characters sort of determine, you know, their own fate or uh, or you know they use their own strength uh, to make it through. So hopefully that that comes across in the book. Yeah, I think it definitely comes across that, um, you know, these girls, uh, instead of, you know, going through the systems in place, they become kind of like completely isolated and have to rely on themselves and like bonds of female friendship to, um, you know, sort things out. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, one of the interesting things I, after reading so many YA novels this summer and talking to so many authors is that yours is one of the only books where the friendships between girls are as important as, as the relationships girls have with others and where that's something you can actually trust. Oh, Why yeah, did that yeah, appeal to you? Yeah, that was something I wanted. I think that was something that I consciously wanted to do in Lost Summer, too, is just, 
you know, or, or something that came out of the book, I guess, really, is the friendship between Caitlin and the girl she meets, Danielle, is something that sort of helps Caitlin, or absolutely helps Caitlin survive and get through. Uh, and I wanted I wanted to make that sort of strong because that's something I remember too. And when I think back to high school and things I observed, that you know the girls would would have sort of intense friendships that seemed maybe more intense and meaningful than the friendships guys would have, which were definitely important. I mean, when I think back, I was I mostly hung out with you know guys in high school, but but it was somehow sort of different, you know, at least from my pers- my perspective at that time. So. Uh, so I'm glad that I'm glad that comes across in the book, and I also think too in, in Bad Girls there's a lot of fighting between the girls. You know, there's Anna who's the protagonist, and then her sort of nemesis Kara. Uh, so in this book, I thought it would be interesting or fun to have uh, two strong female characters who actually like got along, you know, and, and worked together and, and didn't didn't become sort of rivals. So. Mm-hmm.
You are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor. This is Living Writers. It's 4.59. My name is Molly. I'm here with my co-host, Sarah, talking a lot. And today we are interviewing or playing an interview we just did with author Alex McCauley. He wrote Bad Girls and Lost Summer, which are both out from MTV Books. And Sarah just finished Lost Summer. You were sufficiently thrilled. I was was thrilled. I had like... 80 pages left when I got home from the bar last night and I was like wait why am I reading this home alone in the dark <laughs> I was like I am it's so stupid it's the best way um, so we have the rest of the interview coming up in just a second after a couple of short messages and also uh, Alex reading from his book after that so stay tuned thanks for listening also just wanted to let you know that next week we'll be playing an interview with Jenny Hahn who wrote this amazing book called Suge that we both really like. Sarah's smiling at me for some reason. Um, and, you know, maybe you should think about what your first kiss tasted like so so that we can have a little discussion of that, maybe with some callers next week. Yeah, you should call and tell us if you, <laughs> if you remember. Our phone number is 734-763-3500. We're not telling you what ours tasted like. You're listening to Living Writers on WCBN <laughs> FM Ann Arbor. Thanks. It's the Down Home Show, every Saturday from noon to 3, right here on WCBN-FM, Ann Arbor. Cause ain't nothing going on. Ain't nothing. Uh-uh. Nothing going on around here. Nothing. Unless you're listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor, 88.3. That's the only thing happening here. The only thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Okay, we'll see you, kid. Yeah, take care. Take care, yeah. Hey. Hey, kid. Kid. Look out. Look out. Look out. Oh, yeah. Next week. 
listening to Living Writers. We're getting back to our interview for this week. It's Alex McCauley, author of Bad Girls and the New Book Lost Summer. We We hope you enjoy it. Let's see. You are studying for a PhD, right, in English. Right. How does that, your education, influence your writing, and what are you studying? Are they totally separate lives for you? Oh, no, I think they're, they're, almost, completely, uh, they're almost completely intertwined in some ways. I mean, I, uh, I'm actually in the, the final year of the uh, PhD program in literature at UNC. Uh, and, of course, you know, the books I'm, I'm writing about in my dissertation and, and studying are things that are I guess would be called you know sort of high literature or whatever but uh but you know I found some I found some interesting things I was I I'm not teaching at the moment I was I was teaching there as a graduate student up until a couple of years ago um and I would in the in the fiction literature classes I would try to vary things so we would read uh you know stuff that, like Henry James or or things that were really uh, fairly literary, but then I also would have the class read something like uh, The Beach by Alex Garland. Uh, I don't know if either of you have read that or seen. It got turned into a, a fairly cheesy Leonardo DiCaprio movie yes. uh, a few Definitely years ago. Uh, but it, it's sort of like pop literature, like you know, like a mainstream novel. Uh, and then as a class, that was one of the things we, w- we would talk about, you know, what kinds of issues turn up in these literary works and how do those get uh, filtered when it becomes a, when they become popular works. Uh, so for me, the two things are very much intertwined. You know, I'll be reading things and, and getting things out of them. I mean, I feel the more that I read uh, and, and study, the hopefully the better I become as a writer. You know, for me, that's the main way of of training myself or or getting better and and i tend to like i tend to like odd books too as well as as thrillers so things like uh there's a great book uh called the sheltering sky uh by paul bowles which is just this really strange odd book about this couple's journey uh across the desert and it's just a, a really odd piece of work but i mean it's an amazing book and i probably never would have come across it to read had it not been for graduate school so in a way grad school has been great because it's it's you know it's uh it's made a lot of text available to me that i probably wouldn't have known to seek out on my own you know like if it was up to me i'd, I'd probably still read you know mostly stephen king <laughs> but so it sort of sort of broadens my mind in terms of what i'll read and and i feel like you know reading a good book i can get something out of it that's gonna help my writing uh so it's always it's always worthwhile but having said that, I enjoy writing novels much more than I enjoy studying <laughs> in graduate school. So. Um, do you feel like in you know teaching has helped you keep in touch with teenagers and write about teenagers? Yeah, oh, yes, yeah, absolutely. So I think that's been you know that that's been a great resource because it ha- it has kept me in touch, and uh, I think also you know like before I wrote Bad Girls, we we were somehow. Lord of the Flies came up in one of my classes, uh, and I think we were reading, I had the students read Heart of Darkness, so we were reading that and talking about that, and somehow Lord of the Flies came up, and uh, and I asked a class out of curiosity, I was like, yeah, how many of you have, have had to read Lord of the Flies or read it? And I think, you know, 
out of maybe like 22 students, something like 19 of them had read it. But and that that's you know pretty rare. There aren't that many books I can think of where the majority of the class is going to have read the book and sort of remembered it. Uh, and then that helped me when I was writing Bad Girls. I was like, that's something I kept in mind that you know I could sort of riff off of the idea of Lord of the Flies because it did seem to be something that that people were aware of. Uh, and it's fun. I mean, I really you know I love writing is is you know my first love for sure. But I I do love teaching. And it's something that is always fun to do and and it's interesting too to get different perspectives on text from different people you know i feel like i learned something every time i i taught a book because some people would sometimes i would teach a book that i thought the class would love and everyone would hate it you know and and think i was crazy for for choosing it and then sometimes i would choose something that i really didn't know if the students would be into and they would end up like you know absolutely loving it so it was a great learning experience you know for me so uh so i'm I'm trying to think of an example i think and sometimes there would be a there is a book uh the margaret atwood book cat's eye uh which is really good intense book about this girl growing up and her family and her sort of love-hate relationship with this other girl uh and when i taught that it it like almost all the female students really got into it and and really liked it but i would say most of the guys were were really bored and thought it was i guess i don't know chick lit or whatever they they termed it but uh and then when i taught other things like all the guys would be into it we did some i can't remember i think it was edgar Allan poe story or something like all the guys in the class were like yeah yeah you know we love it uh but uh, the women were more subdued, you know, in terms of, of getting into it. So it was neat for me to see that, you know, obviously certain texts break down by gender lines as to who is going to be interested in, in reading it. Um, speaking of that, have you gotten a lot of fan response? And is it all girls? Is it mixture of both? I've got, I would say it's probably, probably 85% girls, I would say, 85 to 90 uh, and uh, yeah, you know, it's been it's been fun because I set up the uh, my, my wife and I set up the website, which is just www.alexmacaulay.com, uh, and uh, and you know, and there's people can email me there. So I have got a bunch of emails. The emails are just starting to come in about Lost Summer because it just came out uh, officially. It just came out last week, but I think it sneaked into some stores a little early. So I'm just starting to get emails about that. But I got a lot of emails about bad girls. And, yeah, probably probably 85 90% were, were young women who'd read it uh, and wanted to write and say hi and, and that they had liked it. But I definitely got a, a few from guys, too, who had, who had picked it up. Uh, and, uh, you know, and then, the, then it was funny, too, because then there's all the people that, uh, that I know, you know, so... Uh, which is a mix of, of guys and girls, and, and it was interesting to get their responses. So I had a lot of, like, like almost, I think almost all of my uh, male friends read it, you know, just to read it, because <laughs> it was something I had done. Uh, and, uh, and I think most of them enjoyed it, you know, hopefully. But at least they told me they enjoyed it. So, you know. <laughs> but. so um, you know, in between all the time you spend teaching and studying and writing novels, you also had a career as an indie rock musician. <laughs> That's right. That's and we're wondering about a certain uh, 
phenomenon we've noticed whereby many, many, many young adult authors are also indie rockers or a little bit of scene stars. Yeah, yeah, I've, um, I've noticed that Do you have any too. ideas <laughs> about that, why that is Yeah, I, as one of them? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure why. I mean, I think, you know, it's, it's interesting. And, in you know, I think of, uh, oh, gosh, the, uh, uh, is it? can't ever remember his real name, Dr. Frank. From the, yeah, Frank Portman. Yeah, Frank Portman. Yeah, I always think of him as Dr. Frank <laughs> in the Mr. T experience wrote, you know, King Dork, uh, yeah. which I guess is the most, the most famous instance of that at the moment. Uh, I'm not sure. I think, you know, for me, I think in, in some ways, something that I never thought about when I wrote Bad Girls was that uh, I think at this point it's probably a little bit easier for a new author to break in to getting books published in the young adult arena. Uh, and, and that wasn't something I ever, you know, I didn't, when I wrote Bad Girls, I was, all I was thinking was like, you know, oh gosh, am I ever going to find anyone to publish this book? Um, so I wasn't thinking in terms of those distinctions, but but people have told me subsequently, like other authors and, and people in the business, that because that's such a expanding field at the moment uh it can be easier to get a sort of foot in the door that way and so that's something for for any listeners or anyone out there who's an aspiring author you know keep that in mind <laughs> and uh, uh so that that might account for some of it and and i'm not sure i mean I'm, it, it is interesting for me you know I, i've sort of made a segue from uh making uh indie rock records and and playing shows and stuff into writing and for some reason, it's been a really natural transition. Uh, I don't know if it's, it's also because indie rock and, and emo and all that has this sort of element to it that is, that's about emotions and intensity, and maybe that gels really well with the subject uh, matter of young adult books. So that could be that could be part of it too. I'm pretty uh, interested in YA supergroup. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty interested in there being some sort of YA author supergroup. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, <laughs> you can go on tour, read from your book. That would be books. awesome. I would, uh, <laughs> I would love that. I remember, uh, gosh, I remember like uh, it was like I think Stephen King and Amy Tan. <laughs> yeah. Remember that they had this a group called the Rock Bottom Remainders. I think. <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> I like, think the YA supergroup would be a little bit more talented. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, so it would be, but yeah, that would be that would be awesome. And and I play I play music under under the name uh, Charles Douglas, which is my middle name. My parents gave me two middle names. So, uh, so I think because when I first started playing, I was maybe insecure about using my real name, and it seemed easier to get up on stage if I were using a, a fake name. Kind of so. So I've made some records under the name Charles Douglas, uh, and I haven't really been doing much musically for a while. Although I had a track just come out on this on this record called Hello Radio, which is a tribute to They Might Be Giants, where a bunch of indie rock bands cover their songs. So it's like uh, Frank Black from the Pixies and uh, OK Go, which is this other band from Chicago and just a bunch of sort of indie rockers uh, uh, covering songs. And that's been the last thing that I've done musically. But at this point, I've sort of mostly been uh, mostly been writing. And for me, writing takes mo- much more time than music, you know, too. So it would be, you know, uh, to write a book takes me longer than to, to make an album or, or play some shows. So so I'm sort of been caught up in that, but there is a neat synergy between the two, and I've I've definitely noticed the indie rock thing too, and I've wondered about it and thought, huh, like why is that? But uh, so who knows? Okay, so question: If you were to put together the YA author supergroup, who would be in it? Um, sub question: What other YA authors do you like, or are you influenced by? 
Oh, highlight. Gosh, that's a good question. Uh, I would say, well, it would have to have a Frank Portman in it, Dr. Frank, <laughs> uh, for for sure. And, uh, oh, who's the other one? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure how to say his name. I've enjoyed his books. Uh, Ned Vizzini. I don't know how to say it either. I, you know, it's one of those names, like, I see the name everywhere. I just don't know how to say it. Uh, I mean, oh, and uh, I don't know if he's a... I don't know if he's if he's playing much music uh, now, but I know he. I think he's writing screenplays. But uh, the author of uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower. Oh, I love, we love that book. Yeah, that's such a great book, and that's Steven another like Bosky? name I find difficult yeah. to pronounce. It's Stephen. I think it's Bosky or something. Bosky, yeah, it's a, Maybe. it's a strange name, but that's that's such a great book, and and I actually. I've looked him up online like you know a million times to to figure out what he's up to. I saw he had written the screenplay to that the movie Rent that came out. Uh, I did not know that. That is insane. That's so strange. To me. Yeah, and it was like, and some other there was some other stuff on there too. So, but that that's such a great book, and that's I mean, when Bad Girls, when MTV Books, uh, you know, made an offer to put it out, that was like the first thing I I said was like, oh my god, like MTV Books put out Perks of Being a Wallflower, like you know, that's such a great book. Let's like, let's go with them kind of thing. So Bad Girls is also being made into a movie. Do you think he might be writing your screenplay? Do you know anything about it? <laughs> I can I can only hope that would be in it. That would be awesome. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, Bad Girls MTV. You know they they optioned the movie rights and then some time elapsed and and I thought maybe things were were not going to happen. But then they re-optioned the rights again. And the last I heard uh, was a few weeks ago is that it was still in. Uh, and you know, still they're still planning to produce it, and they're working on it. I I know at one point they they hired a couple. Uh, this, I can't remember their names, but it's like a husband and wife who write screenplays. They hired them, and they did a draft of the screenplay. But then I think they're getting some people to maybe rewrite it or or do another one. But it's still floating around uh, there. And, and I mean, that to me would be great. I mean, like, you know, it would be incredibly trippy and strange to, to be able to, to sit down and watch a film version of, of Bad Girls for me, you know? So, and that first book was written, Bad Girls was written, uh, just a little bit. I mean, I, I would, cause I was, I was teaching in the day and, and doing all kinds of things. And I, I wrote it late at night. So I, I would write like two or three pages a night uh you know every night and it just sort of added up uh so it would be it would be very surreal to see it become a film but but i do hope that that happens okay well thank you for talking to us today this is living writers we're here with alex mccauley author of the new book last summer and bad girls
to Living Writers here on WCBN FM in Arbor. Um, right now, we've finished up the interview, but we're going to go into Alex reading from his work. This is from Lost Summer, as I'm sure he'll let you know. Okay, Lost Summer by Alex McCauley. That's me. Uh, chapter 1. It's called Complicated. Caitlin Ross slammed the door to her bedroom, locked it, and stood there fuming. She was fighting with her mom again, which was a pretty typical scenario for the two of them. Since Caitlin's dad had left home a year ago, she and her mom had been at each other's throats. But in the last month, things had gone from bad to unbearable. Caitlin didn't know if she could stand it anymore, but she didn't know what else to do sort of stealing her mom's credit cards, hijacking the Mercedes, and running away for good. Caitlin could hear her mother moving around angrily in the hallway outside her room, talking to herself. Caitlin crouched down to look under the door, trying to see if her mom were heading in her direction. It was too hard to tell, so she stood up and leaned against the wall. They had been fighting over the usual suspects again. The argument had started over Caitlin's clothes but then spread like a virus to her hair and makeup and then to the million other things her mom always nagged her about. At least she isn't banging on the door trying to continue the fight, Caitlin thought. She took a deep breath through her nose, counted to six, and then exhaled through her mouth like she'd learned to do in yoga. But it didn't help her feel any better. She walked over to her bed and knelt down to extract a small silver flask from underneath the mattress. She pulled it out, opened it, and took a sip, which burned her lips and made her cough. Vodka neat, like her boyfriend Ian had once said. It sure tasted like crap, but it made the pain of living hurt less. Of course, Ian had been drunk at the time. Caitlin took another sip as she fumbled around for a pack of cigarettes. Usually she didn't smoke in the house, but today was an exception. As she sat on her bed and lit the first cigarette with her chrome lighter, she heard her mom start calling for her again, implacable and relentless. Ah, fuck, Caitlin thought, closing the flask and slipping it back into its hiding place. Just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water. Caitlin, her mom yelled. Caitlin studiously ignored her, taking a long drag on the cigarette and breathing out slowly. Her mom started rattling the doorknob. Open this door right now and talk to me. If I wanted to talk, I wouldn't have locked you out, Caitlin muttered to herself. She cranked the iPod connected to her stereo, and her mom got drowned out by the blaring sounds of the killers. But under the pounding drums and churning guitars, she could still hear her mom banging on the door. Caitlin turned the music up even louder, feeling the bass in her chest. Caitlin knew from experience that her mom would get tired and go away pretty soon. But she also knew that this would just be a brief detente, and the fight would continue at a later date. Her mom couldn't resist an argument. She was like a pit bull once she got started. If only Dad were still around to help balance things out, Caitlin thought. Her dad had been her champion and kept her mom's chaotic tendencies reined in. Yet the divorce was final, and her dad was now living in a Manhattan penthouse with his new girlfriend, Sophie. She 
a 19-year-old model from Paris whose vacantly beautiful face Caitlin sometimes saw on the covers of assorted fashion magazines. Caitlin tried not to think about it as she stared around her room because the emotions were too painful. Instead, she focused on her surroundings and thought, God, my room is a mess. What the hell is wrong with me? I'm turning into a bigger slob than Luke. Luke was her 11-year-old brother, five years younger than her, and his room generally looked like Osama bin Laden had sent a suicide bomber to visit it. Luke had three main passions in life, playing games on his Xbox, watching violent gangster and horror DVDs, and shooting at cars with his paintball gun. Other than that, he was kind of lazy and slobby and didn't have many friends. He dressed mostly in black, had a scruffy haircut, and was about 20 pounds overweight. Caitlin felt sorry for him, but also a little embarrassed that he was her brother. The killers gave way to 50 Cent on the iPod, which amused Caitlin because she knew her mom hated hip-hop more than anything, especially if it were laden with profanities. Not that her mom didn't swear all the time, which was fairly hypocritical of her. If anyone ever said anything to Caitlin about having a potty mouth, which sometimes happened, Caitlin always made sure to say she'd picked it up from her mom. That and her drinking and occasional smoking. She drew the line at those bad habits, though. Unlike her mom, she didn't constantly pop Valiums, Percocets, and other pastel-colored pills like M&M's. Her mom was taking so many pills these days, it was frequently impossible to deal with her at all. Sick of looking at the mess, Caitlin got up and opened the blinds on her two huge picture windows, unveiling a panoramic view of the Pacific Ocean. Her spacious bedroom looked down over the La Jolla Cove far below. Sunlight sparkled on gentle waves under the vivid blue sky that seemed to stretch out to infinity. The house, which was nearly a mansion, was located up high on the crest of a steep hill. Caitlin sometimes felt guilty about living in such a lavish home. It had seven bedrooms, four and a half bathrooms, a huge pool, and a gleaming kitchen larger than some people's entire houses. In Southern California's inflated real estate market, the house was worth over $5 million, one for the house and four for the land. Her dad had given it up in the divorce, along with so many other things. Kaylin didn't blame him for the collapse of her parents' marriage, although she had been devastated at first, thinking he'd abandon her and Luke. But with time, she'd gained some perspective. She still loved her dad, and most of the time, she just missed him a lot. As Caitlin looked out at the admittedly spectacular view, she mused that prettiness could be so boring. In fact, the more she looked at the idyllic scenery over the past year, the more depressed she'd felt. Maybe she was just letting her parents' divorce spoil everything, but recently it seemed like there was nothing interesting whatsoever about La Jolla. Not all of Southern California was exciting and glamorous like it seemed on TV. La Jolla was mainly populated by old people with garish mansions, too much money, and yachts they never sailed. It's hard to believe I loved this place so much once when I was a little kid, Caitlin reflected. Things had certainly changed since then when she imagined spending her entire life here on the coast. She'd since realized that the town was like a cute guy with nothing upstairs. Superficially attractive, maybe, but not a good long-term prospect. Caitlin pushed back a strand of her dark, wavy hair and stubbed out her cigarette on the edge of her oak desk where it left a round scar. She regretted it and tried to rub it away but failed. With a sigh, she went over to her bed and slumped down on a pile of pillows under the framed poster of Donnie Darko. For some reason, she loved that movie, even though all her friends hated it, and whenever anyone saw the poster, they'd ask, what the f*** is that about, Caitlin? 
Caitlin knew the poster didn't square with the stereotypical image of a spoiled, rich, fashion-conscious SoCal princess. And so what? She wasn't that kind of person anyway, and she'd never been, despite appearances. Besides, she discovered that it was an asset to seem unpredictable to her mom, to her friends, to her boyfriend, and to pretty much everyone else in between. listening to Living Writers. We just heard Alex McCauley reading from his book. We'd like to thank him for doing the interview and encourage you to tune in next week um, or listen to our podcast next week um, to hear an interview with Jenny Hahn. Thanks for listening. Our website is www.wcbn.org Living Writers um, after a slash. So .org slash Living Writers and there's links to all of the author's websites and such that we could find. There's <laughs> laughing at the way I just said that. I can't help it. Um, here's some music. Wednesday, August 9, 2006, this is Free Speech Radio News. From KPFK in L.A., I'm Aura Bogado. Three congressional incumbents lose their primary battles. We'll hear about the shakeup in Washington. The second round of talks between the Ugandan government and LRA rebels hits a major snag. And it's been two months since the death of Abu Musab al-Zarqawi, yet the violence continues in Iraq. Life is, is a hell, basically, in Iraq at the moment. We'll bring you those stories and more after the headlines. I'm Shannon Young with the Free Speech Radio News headlines. The U.S. and France have split over crucial provisions in the United Nations resolution to end hostilities in Lebanon, triggering intense diplomatic scrambling. Khalid Sinmohan reports from Beirut. While France and the United States are now revising their drafts, they are debating what kind of an international force should be formed to back the Lebanese army and when it should deploy the Lebanese government, along with the Arab League, Representative Sheikh Ahmed bin Jassim al-Thani, have voiced objections for a full cessation of hostilities rather than a formal ceasefire. Moreover, the representative of the Arab League said, if we adopt the resolution without fully considering the reality of Lebanon, we face a civil war. Instead of helping Lebanon, we will destroy Lebanon. Referring to the disarmament of Hezbollah resistance fighters, widely supported by the majority of the Shia community in Lebanon. 
Following an urgent request led by Islamic nations, the United Nations Human Rights Council will examine the situation in Lebanon on Friday. Meanwhile, three Palestinians were killed today when Israel bombed the southern Palestinian camp of Ain al-Hadwe near the southern coastal city of Sidon. More than 1,000 Lebanese civilians have been killed since fighting began on July 12th. Reporting from Beirut, Lebanon, this is Khalid Mohan for Free Speech Radio News. A number of Palestinian leaders, including the Prime Minister, have raised the question of the possible dissolution of the Palestinian Authority. Said